Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone in podcast listening land. I'm Karen Devaney. And I'm Ann Barner. And, and we're, we're sisters. sisters. Welcome to Sugarcoated Murder, where we'll discuss and probably inappropriately laugh about and comment on. Yep, one of our favorite subjects murder. murder. Oh, and we love to bake. And why not combine our two favorite subjects? Baking and killers. Good afternoon, Karen Devaney. And howdy, Ann Barner. How you doing? I'm doing good today. Thank you. What Thanks you doing? for asking. Thank you for asking. Of course, always. Mm-hmm. So what you doing in my kitchen? I'm cooking. <laughs> okay, what are you cooking? I am cooking some, I'm going to tell you what they're called, they're yummy and delicious, blueberry lemon pie bars. <gasps> yes. That's going to be so good. Yes. Because before we did our podcast, I cooked my sister some lunch. It was very good. I got a subscription to one of those, we'll send you your all the things you need to do to cook your meal in the mail, and you put it together situation, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I made her some... Italian crusted chicken breast with garlic butter couscous and Italian zucchini. Yes, and now we need a dessert. Now we need a dessert to cleanse our palate because that couscous was extremely garlicky. We shall have no problems with the vampires today. That's right. So what is in your blueberry pie bar? Okay, so the first... Blueberry lemon pie bar. Yes. The first thing that you do is you make a crust, and that is pretty much a basic crust. It's your butter, sugar, flour, and salt, and then you mix it up until it mixes really good, and then you press it into your pan. Right. I'm going to put parchment paper in my pan. Okay. And then You're in luck. If you didn't bring any. I didn't I, bring any. I have some. I haven't packed it yet. Woohoo! Okay. <laughs> So then you make your filling, which is cream cheese, sugar, egg, sour cream, vanilla, lemon, and three cups of blueberries. Wow, that sounds delicious. It is very good. And then you make a crumble on top, which is butter, sugar, flour, and the zest of that lemon. Nice. I do have a lemon juice squeezer if you need that. Okay, that's nice to know. I haven't packed that either. That's very good to know. You're really lucking out in the kitchen right now. Well, except that you don't have a zester, so I'm going to kind of punt on that one. I gave you a serrated knife. (laughs) I don't know what your problem is. either. (laughs) It is just me. I'm just picky like that. I don't know what to say. I guess the next pampered chef order I need to order a zester. I don't even know if I have one. Oh, really? I might have an extra one. I think at one time I had multiples. That'd be nice. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, while you get to going over there, hopefully it's not going to be too terribly loud with the, you can, um, yeah, with the KitchenAid going. Uh-oh. She seems to be having some sort of an issue where the flower is flying out. We Don't you worry. Don't you worry, girl. It's all right. All right, you do that. I'm going to talk murder. The nice thing is it's clean flour going on clean dishes, so That's right. you're good. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate it. So you're good. Uh, all right, so you need to tell me about murder. I am, and it's really crazy because I tried really hard not to do this story. But on three different occasions, I recorded a show that described a different case. But each time I watched the recording, it was this story. That's so, crazy. Um, the I'm universe not, was trying to tell yeah, you something. I'm not one to deny spirit from telling their story. So no, here we go. Spirit now. 
So Joseph, Sonia, and Becky, his high school sweetheart, were married when they were 19. They had two sons. Um, Joseph was very supportive, outgoing. He was active in his son's athletics. He was also an all-around great dad. And he was devastated when Becky left him for another man 27 years into their marriage. Becky. Oh, no, bitch. Becky. Well, uh, Becky was the only person that he'd, he'd ever dated, so he really had to start over, you know? That's wow. After all that time, you think, since he was 19. That's so that's time. tough. Becky quickly remarried this man that she left her husband of for. Course. Unfortunately, Becky picked the wrong guy. Because, um, that might be some karma. I'm not sure. <laughs> because soon into their marriage, Becky's new husband murdered her and then killed himself. Oh no, that's really bad karma. Yeah, that's the worst. Karma Something there really, is. really bad happened there. Oh gosh, I'm sorry, Becky, that I made light of your situation. You didn't know. You're dead. You didn't know. Becky's dead. I didn't yeah. mean to speak ill of the dead. No, she made a really bad decision. So yeah. um, Joseph was there for his sons when they lost their mother. Oh, he wow. really helped them through their grief. Yeah. Um, and then I had forgotten to mention, too, that Joseph had done really, really well for himself. Another reason Becky maybe should have stayed with him, but oh, Becky. he was a really wealthy pathologist, and he was a businessman. He oh. even had, like, a side business where he made his own perfume, so. What? And he made a lot of money. That's such a weird business. He was actually, I know. When you're a pathologist. Right. So, uh, he was a multimillionaire. Dang. So when Joseph was in his late 40s, like 48 I think, he decided on a whim that he wanted to take a dance class. Dance? Dance. Yeah, he wanted to learn some ballroom dancing, okay. some salsa, maybe a little swing dance. Who doesn't? Right. Who doesn't want to learn that kind of I guess thing? he kind of thought it might be a good way to get out there and meet people. I would think so. So um, he made some really good friends, and then he started to regain his confidence after that tra tragic, tragic end to his first marriage. Yeah. He also met a lot of age-appropriate women that he dated. Well, I am so proud of him. Yeah, yeah. He was age-appropriate thing. I'm really, really proud of him for that. Yes, me too. he was too. very wealthy, he could have bought himself a little sugar girl. He could have, yeah, but it, I think he was really trying to, to, to keep in the same age group, so. Good for him. Um, by now, his sons are both grown, and they've moved away, but they all get together often, and they keep a tradition of going to a Texas Tech football game. Um, one year, Joseph actually brings along a lady. Oh, fun. Yeah. Um, he had been seeing her and her name, lady friend. A lady friend. Her name is Rochelle. I think it's like their first date, actually. It's exciting. Rochelle, like Michelle, only with an R. Yeah, Rochelle. Yeah. Re, uh, like Rochelle, Rochelle, not Rochelle. Okay. So her, um, she was a single mom to four boys, uh -huh. and she and Joseph had met at a ballroom dancing class. Oh, she, she. Yeah. So this is their first date, which I think can be a little intimidating. He's taking her to a Texas Tech football game with his, with his sons. sons. Yeah, but, you know, That's whatever. Okay. So Rochelle and Joseph get along great, and they start dating seriously. Aww. Even though he and Rochelle are hitting it off, Joseph is not interested in, in hopping into another marriage. Like, he's well, interested in a little long-term long dating, but not the commitment of marriage. And yeah. Rochelle put a lot of pressure on him, 
saying that she wanted a commitment. You know why? She what? wanted some of that money. She, well, yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah. She wanted some security. So for Rochelle's 50th birthday, Joseph got her a trip to Paris. They go off to Paris. They have a fantastic time. They even go over to where they've got that bridge with all the locks, and they do uh, the lock and throw the key uh, in the water. And I think he's giving her mixed signals. <laughs> it's uh, they have a really, they have a really, really good time. That's good. So they come back from Paris, you know, get back into their daily routines. Uh huh. And about two weeks after the Paris trip, Joseph is found murdered in his home. It is almost two years to the day that his wife, his ex-wife, was murdered. So oh these poor kids oh. have lost another parent to murder. Can you say that all over again? That's a lot. I will. Two weeks after they, he, Joseph comes back from Paris on his fantastical trip. Yeah. He's found murdered in his home. I'll be damned. Right. This is the, the, the these kids, oh both gosh. of their biological parents now have been murdered. It's awful. So Joseph hadn't shown up for work, and his secretary went to the house to check on him. She sees a, that a window has been kicked in, and she can see a bullet casing on the floor. She starts to scream, and a landscaper comes to check on her. He starts to kind of look around, and he finds Joseph dead. Oh, my god! He's been shot and stabbed multiple times. When um, the detectives arrive and start to look around, they know immediately that it wasn't a robbery because Joseph had expensive stuff. He had a lot of electronics and artwork and some cash in the house, and none of it has been disturbed. Like, there's an iPad and an iPhone, and they're just things that you would think of somebody that was robbing yeah. him would yeah, have yeah. taken. Um, and nothing has been taken. Nothing's been disturbed. The only only way they can tell that there's even something has happened is that a window has been pushed in, and um, there's a chair that's overturned, a bullet casing, and blood on the floor, and then a murdered man. And a murdered person. Right. That's always like a clue. <laughs> right. So they are thinking, oh, and they also find a Gatorade bottle near the casing that had obviously been used as a makeshift silencer. Oh, wow. Right. So now they're like, okay, this was a hit. They intentionally came in to specifically yeah. murder. Yeah. Um, I mean, who the heck would do that? Right. I you know. That's what they were thinking. Well, that's true. Who would do this to this, this, this man? Right. Like, this dude. What is happening? What is happening? So, um, the crime scene is intentional i can't imagine how the sons reacted when they got that phone call i can't imagine either i just it's just so so sad joseph was a well-respected doctor um he was living his life to the fullest and nobody can even fathom who on earth would possibly want him dead agreed so the police pick up rochelle and take her to the police station for questioning she's very cooperative she gives them all the information that they asked for. She tells them about some texts that Joseph had gotten from some women that he had dated in the past that were not especially nice. Uh-oh, he's got a jilted lover. And then uh, she tells them that she thought someone had been following them um, because she said one night they were outside having a glass of wine together and she could see, they could see somebody through his backyard fence. Uh-huh. And... They went inside 
And while they were standing inside, they saw a flash, like somebody had taken a picture. So, so weird. Yeah, that kind of creeped him out a little bit. She was she was certain, too, that, that somebody had been following her, like even just watching her go home and then drive past. She tells them that she had gotten a letter from someone named Tina that accused Joseph of having sex with her for money, um, an accusation that Joseph denied. Investigators ask her about any past relationships that she might have had. Yeah. Um, she said that she did have an ex. His name was Dr. Thomas Michael Dixon, and he was a plastic surgeon in Amarillo, Texas. Okay. She met him while getting Botox injections in his office oh. one day, and they struck up a conversation and decided, right, and decided they were going to go out on a date. Okay. So they dated for about a year and a half, and then they broke up when she met Joseph. Mm. Dr. Dixon had tried many times to get Rochelle back, but she refused. She was having too much fun with Joseph. I mean, he's a fun guy. Yeah, he's fun and rich. And I, honestly, I saw some pictures of him. He was very handsome. Nice. Yeah. So investigators then go, and they have a chat with Dr. Dixon. When they tell him they need to talk to him about the murder of Rochelle's boyfriend... He says, oh my gosh, I didn't even know anything about that. I didn't know anything about him, which is a lie because Rochelle had told him about Joseph before. Oh, no. And then he said that he hadn't talked to Rochelle in many, many months, but uh, she had text messages from him as of recently. Uh-oh. He does say that he really loves Rochelle and that he had wanted to get back together with her. And it turns out that she left him because he wouldn't make a commitment to her. As a matter of fact, for her 49th birthday, he gave her a subscription to the Tea of the Month Club. So That's serious <laughs> stuff. I mean, how could she not marry uh, that man? That's a long-term commitment I, right there. Tea We're of the Month. tea for a year right. together. The funny thing is, she didn't even drink tea. Oh. She didn't like tea. He didn't even take so, time to know yeah. her. Dr. Dixon. He wanted tea. Mm -mm. He's, and he's, he's a lame gift giver. Lame. Sorry, Tea of the Month Club. Yeah, his that's secretary a clearly said, oh, you should try Tea of the Month Club. I love mine. Yes. Right. Well, he probably gave it to his secretary one year for Christmas, and she too, because she thank you. picked it out. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then he's like, I'll give this to all my women. Oh, God. That's not very smart. Not a good gift giver. So, anyway, good grief. So, Dr. Dixon um, has an alibi for the night of Joseph's murder. And so does Rochelle, by the way. Oh, Rochelle, Rochelle. Rochelle, Rochelle. And so do the ex-girlfriends that sent the bad text to Joseph. Oh, so, Joseph, investigators, bad break they're, they're stumped. They pit a dead end. They are for Clint. But luck is on their side. Oh. Because a tipster calls in. But luck is in the line. Joseph. That's not on his No. No. But um, a tipster calls in and offers up another potential suspect. Okay. The tipster gives the name Dave Shepard. Not the Dave, Dave Shepard, Shepard that we know, though. Because okay. at first I was like, oh my God, what does this guy look like? Yeah, but no, we know a Dave Shepard, but it's not that do, one. But I mean, Not that one. Just saying. I know. I know what you're <laughs> thinking because I was thinking the same thing. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, so, I'm, I'm sure he does not listen to this podcast, nor does anybody else. That I can't imagine. So, I can't. Uh, I would be shocked. 
and that's all I'm saying. So the tipster's name is Paul Reynolds, and he had been um, down in his luck, and his friend Dave Shepard let him stay on his couch until he could get back on his feet. Shepard starts telling him that um, these insane stories about how he killed a man in Lubbock, which is where Joseph lived. Mm -hmm. Paul doesn't believe him, but because he doesn't know for sure, he starts hitting the old Google. Starts Googling, you like, know, murders. I wonder if a murder really happened right. or this guy's just yanking him a chain. Right, and he finds the story uh, about Joseph, and he knows that he has to call the police. Well, guess who Dave Shepard is a good friend with? Dr. Dixon. Right. Lawyer! Know what? He and Dr. Dixon met in a cigar shop. I was going to say, don't tell me this dude was getting Botox. No, 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 because this Dave Shepard was super down on his luck. Mm, He he was like an ex-con. Oh, maybe he was trying to earn enough money. A con man, he was not of good character, but for whatever reason. Dave Shepard wasn't? Dave Shepard, not of good character. Not of good character? Mm -hmm. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, he and Dr. Dachson, Dr. Dachson, <laughs> no, 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 I know, Dr. Dodson was a, was our family dentist and back we when we were in high school, so, no, we don't, sorry, it's Dr. Not. it was Dr. Dixon, she was, they got to talking about their ex-wives or whatever, ex-girlfriends, and according to Shepard's, all their exes that live in Texas, all their exes live in Texas, so according to Shepard's daughters, Dave had a man crush on old Dr. Dixon. He wanted to be just like him. He liked hanging out with him. Everything he talked about was Dave Shepard, Dave Shepard. It wasn't like a, a sexual attraction. No, it was just, it was just, like just a, a man crush. It was a bromance. Yeah. Uh, he loved hanging out with him. He thought he was real slick and and he liked the way he kind of doled out his money and so... Yeah, yeah, well, he should have liked the way he also made his money. Right. Like, I'm just saying, pay attention to that. Yeah, and he remembers that, that Dixon had been talking about Michelle and how he how she he left his wife for her. So Dr. Dixon left his wife to be with Michelle. Oh, Dr. Dixon, the tea of the month man? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm sure his wife was like, thank God no more tea. Right. So over a cigar and probably some alcohol... More than likely. Dave Shepard and Dr. Dixon decide they're going to try and mess with Joseph's reputation. Good God, how old are we? Yeah. Right? Dixon decides that they need to follow Joseph. So Shepard's the one, of course, who's doing the following. And he follows Joseph and Rochelle. Oh, Rochelle called it. Right. So while with investigators, Shepard actually confesses that he and Dixon planned Joseph's murder. And he's the one that carried it out. He gives investigators a blow-by-blow of everything that happened. (laughs) That went in my ear and was coming out the wrong way, but now I got it. Oh, no, he's not doing that. I just, I mean, there was a bromance happening. There were things happening, but that's okay. But he doesn't have the bromance with the investigators. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Just as Dr. he's just trying to make some money. Yeah, he just really needs some money. (laughs) So now he's telling investigators blow-by-blow. So, uh, anyway. Where's your lemon squeezer? It's in the top drawer next to the stove. Oh, my God. If it goes missing now, I know our whole audience came in at night and stole it. 
Yes. Now well, I'm going to move it. You're going to move. I'm going to so move that. So it's going to be in a whole different address, <laughs> so I'm not worried about it. So he says that um, he pushed a window in mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at Joseph's house. Oh. And he unloaded his gun into <gasps> Joseph, who had just gotten home from work. And he just he'd actually fixed himself a drink. I don't like it. But the bullets didn't kill Joseph because Joseph crawled to the door leading to the garage, uh -huh. which is where they found him. Oh my gosh. So, of course, um, Dave Shepard follows him to the garage. He's out of bullets and he finishes the job by stabbing him 11 times. Oh my gosh. 11 Talk times. Talk about overkill. Right. Right. That's not nice. So investigators are like, all right, cool, cool. We we got you. We we are we, we're picking up what you're laying down. We hear you. Am I doing this right? Is it going like that? Mm. Or is it going upside down? I think it goes upside down. I think it does too, because it's about to spray me with shit. Which is kind of funny because I think you're the one that taught me that. I know. Shut up. But I don't know for sure. No, it's right. Is it working? Yes. Oh my god, I love when things work. Oh I love it. Alright, so they offer up Dave Shepard a deal. Like they do, you know. They say, if you testify against Dr. Dixon, then they won't give him the death penalty. And he's like, I'll take it. And But they say they, that he's going to get life. You're going to get life, but we're not going to kill you. I'd rather him kill me. Sorry. <laughs> I'd have been like, I want the other one. I mean, honestly, I thought if you confessed that you didn't get the death penalty, but I could be wrong about that. I, I must be wrong. I think that that happens when there's a plea deal, and part of the deal is you have to confess. Right. But they don't always do that. Right. So. I don't know. So. He confessed um, on his own fruition. Nobody asked him to. That's very true. But anyway. So, he's not going to get the death penalty. Okay. So, um, Dave Shepard's hanging out in jail, and... Prosecutors are getting ready to go to trial. Mm -hmm. um, they talk to Dixon. They, sorry, they don't talk to Dixon. They arrest Dixon. Yeah. Dr. Dixon's getting arrested. I've got nothing to say to you except you're under arrest. Right. Um, but, and they charge him. Mm -hmm. And they believe that Dixon is the one who convinced Shepard to murder Joseph. Well, of course. Why would, why would Shepard, Shepard wouldn't even know him. Right. Right, right. So, prosecutors describe Dixon as a very vengeful man, desperate to get Rochelle back. And I don't think this is going to work. Why? I don't think he's going to get Rochelle back. Well, not now. No. I think it's over. You think? It's well, I don't deal. know. I mean, Rochelle and her men, for heaven's sake. Well, that's true. Anyway, so they tell the jury that the gun used in Joseph's murder was found in the pond behind Dr. Dixon's office and that the gun was That's registered to Dixon's brother. Okay. Okay. So now they're like, okay, and this is like a big thing. Who's, who's the really behind the murder? Who's the mastermind? And they want to take Dr. Dixon down. Well, of course they do because it's obvious right. that this dude acted because he got a bromance with And him. then they, they show some surveillance of Dr. Dixon and Dave Shepard hanging out, drinking beers the day after Joseph's murder. And then they show text messages showing conversations between Shepard and Dixon planning the murder for months. 
Guess how Dr. Dixon paid Dave Shepard for the murder? With Botox. A box of Cuban cigars and three silver bars. Dude, if you kill wow. this person, I got a box of Cubans and a cut and a the few silver Cubans bars. I for get. You. I mean, and you know, there are rich people that, for, that invest in silver. You take a box of Cuban cigars to murder somebody? If I was down on my luck, then you'd want cash money. Money. Well, I wouldn't want the silver bars. I'd be like, dude, where do I take these? Like, right. am I going to melt them down for jewelry? You take them to a pawn shop if they're stamped, for heaven's yeah. sake. You, I mean, I want cash money that cannot be traced. Thank you very much. Mm. I mean, of course, and I would never. this is why you're the mastermind. <laughs> of course, I would never. Never. But just saying, good gosh. So, of course, Dixon's lawyer says, you know, Dr. Dixon wasn't involved at all. He only wanted Dave Shepard to try and catch Joseph cheating on Rochelle. <laughs> Which he wasn't, so instead <laughs> and he, he shot him. And he said the silver bars are from a business investment that we're doing together. Okay. We, yeah, okay. I often invest with ex-cons. Yes. That's what I do. Yes. And they shake. They shake. They shake. <laughs> and now Sean Connery shakes. <laughs> <laughs> they say that Dave Shepard had gone rogue and murdered Joseph to impress Dr. Dixon. That's what That's what Dr. Dixon's attorney was saying. Right. Defense. That's their big defense. So, um... They bring Dave Shepard. So out. if he went rogue on the bromance, he went brogue. He went brogue. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's that time, you know. Everybody's sitting on the edge of their seats. We're gonna nail this guy to the cross. Yeah, they yeah, bring yeah. Dave Shepard into the courtroom to testify. Uh huh. And Joseph's sons are there. They're ready to hear this guy. You know. Oh yeah. Tell the story, and. Um, Dave Shepard's daughters are there because they know what's going on and they want to see their dad do the right thing. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of anticipation built up around old Dave Shepard. Anticipation. <laughs> yeah. It's making me wave. Okay. That's what it is. So Dave Shepard gets on the stand and changes his whole story. What? What? What the hell is he doing? Yeah. He says that it was all him and that Dr. Dixon wasn't involved. Dixon got to him with some more cash. Oh, my gosh. Can you even believe it? Imagine, he gave him more Cubans. Imagine. But he's going to have to go to jail, so he's going to have to keister those Cubans to get them through the jail. Imagine and nobody the feeling of those that. poor kids in the courtroom. They're finally going to get restitution, and they're taking down this Dr. Dixon and Shepard. Yeah. Tells a whole different story to the jury. It ain't won't happen. It ain't want to happen. So Shepard ends up getting life in prison anyway, even though he changed his story. And I'm not quite sure how that happens, but I guess because he had, the the way they had written it up or whatever. Yeah, blah blah blah, legal stuff. I don't get it. Right. And when Dixon goes to trial, he gets a hung jury oh. because they don't have the testimony from Dave Shepard. So he is a free man. No, he just right. is a free man. Wait a minute. No. But. No, no, no. But, no, no. But. Come on. Let me do the but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do the but. A year after the mistrial, prosecutors take Dr. Dixon back to trial. Okay. And for this trial, one of Dave Shepard's daughters agrees to testify. Mm. Because she knows the story and she wants the truth to come out. I don't blame her. She tells the story of Shepard 
talking to her and her sisters. And he had, he actually took them out for a fancy dinner, which is something that never happens. Yeah. He bought one of the daughters um, a new iPhone. He had cash. He bought himself a new grill. And his daughter said, Dad, where is all of this money coming so, from? So, the grill that he bought, was it the grill? No, no. Tea? Like, he cooking, cooking family Oh, like dinner. a Weber. Yeah, like a mm, Weber. Okay. A fancy one, though. Okay. So... He told them that he'd done some work for Dr. Dixon and that he had paid him for it. Well, he also said, don't ask me what I did for him. Oh, that would make me sick to my stomach. Right. All three of his daughters are then convinced that it was a down payment for killing Joseph. And because of Shepard's daughter's testimony, the jury convicts Dr. Dixon of two counts of capital murder. Kabam! Two counts? I don't know how, but two counts. <laughs> I guess they killed him twice. I don't know. Two counts. Capital well, murder. I think that capital murder... Okay, so I think this is how they did it. You get capital murder for planning a murder. Oh, okay. And then you get capital murder for, for carrying it out. Oh. And he didn't carry it out, but because everything about it was supplied by him. Right. And he knew about it and didn't stop it, then he is just as guilty as the guy that did it. Right. So there's your two murder charges. There you go. All right. So, yes, finally, closure for the family. But no. No. No, 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 no. You've got to be kidding me. I know. This is Texas. The 2015, let me see if I get this right. Texas usually, like, kind of state pretty quickly. Yeah. It's kind of confusing. But the 2015 conviction that sentenced... Dixon to life in prison was overturned. So he got, even though it was capital murder, his conviction was life in prison. Okay. Okay? It was overturned by a court of appeals in 2018. Okay. Okay? The court ordered a new trial and released Dixon on a $2 million bond. What? That happened in January of 2018. Why did he get a new trial? They overturned the old conviction, and it had something to do with the way the prosecutors filed some paperwork. It was like a loophole situation. And then, yeah, so they ordered a new trial. He gets out on a $2 million bond in January 2019. Okay. On January 15, 2020, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals ruled that Dixon's conviction stands which overturns the previous decision in 2018. A Lubbock judge has revoked Dixon's, Dixon's um, um, bail. Sorry, I couldn't think of the word. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And has issued a warrant for his arrest. That happened in April of 2020. And I have no other information. I couldn't think. There's no other article that says he's like back in jail. I don't like in, it when you do it. I don't like it when you do it. Well, it's not me. It's the court. Okay, but I'm just saying. I didn't know. I What's didn't the know. phone number? Let's call them. Oh, that's a good idea. They're probably even open. It's Yeah. It's an afternoon. Yeah, yeah. And they're so, an hour behind us. Yeah. We could call and ask for the status. I'd like to have a status, please. A status. <laughs> status on please that. give me the status. See, that's what happened. I, wa- I got this from something I watched on TV. Mm-hmm. And then I went and did some extra research on my own of to get course, additional information. And that's when I discovered. But I was way too far into the story to say, oh, wait, no, I'm not going to do this. Yeah, because it doesn't happen. But good the good news is that that he is going to jail. 
That is very true. He's probably in jail, to be quite honest with you. But hopefully, um, and this is another freaking story of, you know, a pathologist who, let's think, what, tell me what some things that a pathologist does. They test blood. Right. So during a pandemic, a pathologist would be very good person to have around. He might even be able to he, figure out what the the virus, something about the virus and something else. He could have. He could have. Could but have something. Dave Shepard and Being Dr. Dixon all for some woman who he didn't even treat well in the first place. Mm -mm. I mean, come on. Come the freaking hell on. And was he going to commit to her? Or was it going to be, okay, I understand you don't like tea of the month. I'll give you coffee in the month club. You know? She wanted him to go away of the month club. Right. <laughs> How's that? Try this on for size. Go away for the month, yeah. every month for a year. And I do feel bad for Rochelle because she's probably like, She got left empty-handed. I, I just wanted a commitment. I just, you know, we <laughs> went it. to Paris. We did the locks. I, I thought we were on our way. I wanted a commitment. Yeah. yeah. And then those two kids of his. I know. First one murdered parent and then another murdered I parent. I can't even imagine. I I mean, I don't know what they're doing right now with their lives, but I have a feeling that they're like vigilante detectives that go through and rid the world of murderers. Well, uh, yeah, they did an interview with one of them that, and he was talking about, you know, I have experience with murder. When he talked about, thought it out about his dad, he's like, I know how to scrub blood and brain matter out of the carpet. Oh my god. I did that with my mother. Is this clean? Uh I'm just so devastated that now I have to go and do it for my father. Oh. So that's horrible. It is terrible. Marker is not Marker is not pretty. And it's not clean. It's not clean. It's not pretty. And it just affects so many people. So just stop it. Just stop with stop the murder. It. We actually have plenty yeah, of murder stories to, to do. Yeah, we've got to go on for a, forever, yeah, actually. We, we'll never run out. So we will don't not. anybody feel like you need to add to. Yeah. So Because we don't need it. Yeah. So I'm going to um, pause it. Yeah, let's take a pause. Let's see I'm, what's happening in your kitchen. Yeah, so before you pause, let me uh, talk. Oh, you, yeah, go ahead. No, we're okay. not pause. Go ahead. So I'll tell you where I am. Let's I've see. taken the crust out. Okay. It's a golden brown. It smells good. It's yummy. It, there's so much butter in this. There's actually three sticks of butter in this. Yes. Yeah, in this recipe. So Yum. I love it. And so that has to cool for a little bit. I have the filling mixed up, and it's ready to go. Okay. Um, so once that cools a little bit, I'll put the filling in and before I put the filling in, I'm going to mix up the crumbly top because you put that on and then you bake it. Yeah. And so. here's the good news. We have the, the wonderful power of pause. So our audience doesn't have to wait. We're just going to pause it, get and it all together, the and then we're going to come back. Podcasting. Right. right. It's going to be magical. Maybe one day it will be the magic of video. Vid oh... What are you just talking saying, about? Stay tuned. We're going to do videos. I don't know if people are ready. Well, I know I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm going to wear a mask. Yeah. Something's going to happen. Yeah. But anyway, we're going to go on pause. We'll see you in a minute. Hold on. And we're back. Yay, us. Woo, I tell you. So I'll tell you what I got done in the kitchen while we were on break. Um, the crust had cooled. I put the filling in and I made up the crumbly topping 
The crumbly topping is actually when you mix it up, it's wet. Mm -hmm. It's like wet sand. Right. So you can't spread it. No, I wouldn't think. So I just take little pinches and I just try to evenly disperse it. And then I go back and disperse it in the spaces. And I just keep kind of working it and doing that to try to get an even cover on it. Yeah. But I just didn't want people to think that they were supposed to spread it. Understood. Because that would be a disaster. Yeah. So don't now do that. that don't so don't spread. Don't do spread. not spread. So that's in the oven for 40 minutes. All right. And then when it comes out, it's supposed to cool and then go in the refrigerator and chill for two hours. But Listen, that's not going to happen. We got all day. <laughs> Why not? A three-hour podcast. That is not what's going to happen here. <laughs> um, we'll probably are going to taste them warm. Right. And that, then chill what's left. I'm not sad about it. I'm not sad either. So anyway, I have a murder to talk about. I'm so excited to hear it. Let's so go. It's a, it's a lengthy one, but I found it fascinating. Sometimes it takes a long time to get it out. I agree. Well, yes. The okay. thor thoroughly go through all the nooks and crannies. I am just like a Thomas's English muffin. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it. So in we're in August of 1992, and Connie Warner goes missing from her home leaving behind a gruesome bloody scene. There was blood and hair smeared, hair. Hair? Smeared throughout the house. Oh, Connie. Yep, her eyeglasses were on the floor of her bedroom. Oh, dear. Her car was still in the driveway, but police could see that there was blood in and on the car. Oh, gosh. There was blood and hair on top of the trunk. Oh, my gosh. And then there was blood all throughout the car. And there were drops of blood in the driveway. And before we started podcasting, I would have immediately thought, my God, this woman has been mauled by a bear. Exactly. But now I think everybody has been murdered, <laughs> including my daughter. Right. So <laughs> investigators also noticed that the keys to Connie's car were missing, even though her car was in the driveway. Oh, so, at first, Connie's daughter and her boyfriend were suspected to be in on this crime because they were the first to come up upon the scene. Oh, yeah. But as soon, as soon, as soon, as soon, because I'm uh, Italian, as soon, as soon, <laughs> so soon they were cleared. Crime scene was an absolute mess. The police didn't handle the scene properly. Oh, gosh. They walked through a lot of blood. They couldn't properly collect pure samples for DNA. And this is in 92. We really weren't testing for DNA back then. So I don't think that they were really up on their techniques. And this is a very small town in Zachary, Louisiana. Right. It's a pretty small town. I think they said there's like, well, I think they said it was 85,000, which I think is a big town. But it turns out that's considered a small it town. It is, yeah. So two days later, Hurricane Andrew slams into that area. The investigation is put on hold. Gosh darn it. I hate that. Really do. But yeah. They can't help it. There's gotta, nothing. You, you know. got to deal, deal with the disaster. Ten days later, Connie's body is found in a drainage ditch. It's badly decomposed, which, of course, because it's been out in the weather, right. including a hurricane. They have to use dental records to identify her So maybe body. the hurricane was a blessing in disguise. Otherwise, maybe her body wouldn't have been found in know. a drainage ditch. I don't know. Um, autopsies reveal a very some very traumatic head wounds. Yeah, I would imagine. Very traumatic. And a neighbor said that they had seen a man loading a large bundle into Connie's car and then drive off. Uh-oh. But they didn't seem to feel like they needed to call anybody. Yeah, like... Yeah. 
This is a woman who lives with just I would she and call, her daughter live here. I would be calling. Uh, yeah. I almost called on the carpet cleaner guys oh. the other day because they had hoses and a carpet rolled up. And I was like, I know you murdered somebody. And I'm calling. So, I mean, I'm, I'm suspecting everybody. And then this this person is just like, yeah, I saw some big bundle being loaded in her car by a strange I, man. I'm and drove off in her it. car. But then I just went on about my day. <laughs> so, that that irritates me a little. Yes. I mean, see something, say something. See something, people. say something. I'm just saying. They might not have had that in 1992. They probably didn't because I don't think we started that until after 9-11. Right. So they had some potential suspects, but they were all clear because um, Connie had been dating a couple of men, not but kind of She wasn't a loosey-goosey, but she was feeling... She had a nice social yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she had some gentleman suitors. Nice. Yeah, and they were all cleared. So there were no prime suspects developed in this case. Oh, no. So, we're going to jump ahead to 1993. Okay. Okay. There's a teenage couple sitting in a parked car in a graveyard. Damn it. And I hate it when they do that, people. God, it's the guy with the hook again. Telling you. They were drinking and teenaging. Oh, yeah. They were teenaging. Oh, Lord. And they thought they were alone. Of course. You always think you're alone. But you're never Never. alone. You're never Never alone. alone. No. And I can remember one time... Me and this boy were going to try to park down at the end of our road around the corner where it was all woods next yeah. to the railroad tracks. Right, right. I was so scared. <laughs> I couldn't get into what we were trying to teenage. Oh, no. no. I could. I was like, I got to go. I, I mean, I'm a scared. Yeah. And that was right around the corner from our house. Yeah. So See, no, I, I wasn't kept, that way. I would have been like, oh, yeah, we're good. No, I kept thinking I heard gravel crunching, like where the railroad tracks had all that gravel. Yeah. And I was just like, what's that? What's yeah, and that, that was a path. My that was, was on a swivel. That was like a back path yeah. that led to one of the mansions there. Yes, it yeah. did. And I was, I was just unnerved. And yeah. I was like, no, can't do it. I can't. <laughs> I was such a scaredy cat. Yeah. So, I didn't have that fear. Needless to say, that guy didn't date me for very long. Right, right. Anyway, out of nowhere, jumps a man into their car because they didn't have their doors locked come on people they they didn't even lock their doors they didn't they were just doing their teenage they were teenaging it and didn't think they probably didn't have automatic locks i'm sure not not in 92 i don't think so yeah yeah Mm -mm. so this dude starts wheeling the machete and attacking them what so he's in the car with them and like chopping oh my gosh i know so it really is like is, the guy with the uh, hook. Except he's got a, a machete. A machete. <laughs> a machete. <laughs> a machete. <laughs> so, yeah. So, no Clearly, conflict. we need to go to Italy. <laughs> Clearly, they're going to think I'm one of them. Oh, my goodness. So, as it turned out, a local policeman happened upon the scene as this man is in there chopping at them. Just right. happened to drive through the graveyard on his ship. Well, he's wondering what the hell is a car doing parked he's in the like graveyard. More, more teenagers yeah. teenaging in the graveyard. So, can you imagine in a graveyard? I would have been like, hell freaking no. Yeah, I'd have been like, like okay. I know, no. I, I know you would have been. I would have been like, uh, no, I'm not because I know there's a ghost and it's going to get in my car. Right. No, I don't want any ghosts in my car. So, anyway, this policeman comes by and the man with the machete runs away. But not before reaching over and grabbing the keys out of the ignition to the car. Oh, so that's his thing. So that's his thing. He he's the key. He's the key killer. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> he's not killing the keys, sugar. <laughs> he's not killing the. 
He's not chopping the keys with a machete. I understand, but <laughs> what are you going to call him? I don't know. It's his thing. Know. He takes the keys. He's Shut key your mouth. <laughs> he dropped his machete as he fled. Oh, no. That's yes. bad. But because the police officer was having to tend to these two wound, severely wounded teenagers. Right. He um, wasn't focused on the machete. He wasn't focused on that. And the machete laid out in the rain for a couple of days before they found it. There were no fingerprints. There was nothing oh. that they could get off of it. So, urgh. so anyway. Clearly, we need a medium yes. to identify so that. The teenage girl that was in the car, they both survived. Oh, good. The teenage girl, Michelle, not Rochelle, because that was your girl. That's right. Michelle. Right. Michelle. Michelle. My Belle. She had gotten a good look at the attacker. She had actually looked him square in the eyes and was able to describe exactly how he was dressed. Oh. And he was actually dressed very neatly. She oh. said his shirt was, dressed. He was snazzy. He was very <laughs> snazzy. He had a plaid shirt and khaki <laughs> pants, and his shirt was tucked in, and he had a belt on. Like, he was like he was nicely wow, dressed. Why wow. would you would think that you would just, like, wield a machete? Right. Like, I expect this person to be cloaked. Right. Yeah, but he wasn't. Wow. So, anyway... The investigation drug on and on, and no one was connected to the attack because Dang. of the lack of evidence. That's terrible. And they actually did not connect that attack to the Connie Warner attack. No, they because I'm the only the one two. that's connecting the keys right now. Hello, Shut your mouth. the key killer. Shut yourself up. Shut your mouth. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Just tell me at the end, did they call him the key killer? Yes. <laughs> He's all excited. <laughs> so, anywho, so 1998 comes around. So this is five years, six years. Six later. years, yeah. Yeah, six years later, and about a block from Connie's house, where Connie had gone missing. Right. There's a little three-year-old boy wandering around alone. Well, why? Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm not sure why you're trying to rush my story. Oh, I mean, I'm mad because there's a three-year-old roaming exactly. around. So police were called to do a welfare check on his mom, who was a single mom. Oh, God. And the police were met at the house with a horrific scene. Oh, no. Blood spatter everywhere. Bloody drag marks. Oh, God. Why did you pick this one? I'm just telling you. Ah. The bedroom was a nightmare. There was so much blood. And her contacts were found in a pool of blood, which made them suspect that he had stomped her head so hard that it had blown her contacts out of her eyes. Oh, my god! That is really, really That's violent. terrible because I'm thinking, why? what kind of killer takes the time to take your contacts out for no, you? Mm -mm. Oh, my gosh. Mm -mm. That's terrible. Yeah. They think that she had been stomped in the pressure of the blow had blown her contacts right out of her eyes. Jiminy there were clumps of hair everywhere. Oh my gosh. Isn't that horrible? The victim's name was Randy McBrewer, and she was nowhere to be found. Uh, no. I'm so sure. her car was in the driveway. Really? There was blood and hair samples. There were blood and hair samples collected at the scene and the police could not find her car keys. No, because it's the key killer. The key killer. You're making me mad. No, you're making me mad. Well, he's making me mad. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to go to 2001. All right. All right, so we, we were in... We were in 92, now 90, we're in 2001. Well, we started in 92, we went to 93, we're in 90, we were in 98 with the last one, and now 2001, so three years later. 
in Baton Rouge. Okay. All right. So Zachary is outside of Baton Rouge, and Baton Rouge is like a big city, and so there's a big surrounding area. Okay. Okay. September of 2001, a co-worker of Gina Wilson Green's began to worry when Gina did not show up for work. So he decided to go check on Gina. When he got there, the door was unlocked. He pushed it open, started checking around the house, wandered back to the bedroom, saw Gina on the bed. Her arm was dangling off the side of the bed, and he immediately called police. Okay. There was no forced entry. Uh, Okay. Okay. So, again, a gruesome scene. Um, Gina looked like she had been strangled. And there had been definitely a struggle. She had struggled and fought. There were some items missing from her home, including the keys to her BMW. Right. Again, no forced entry. Keys are gone. So police were able to obtain a good DNA sample from her. Okay. Okay, because she had been raped. And um, it came back to an unknown male. And since they were not at the time connected to the Zachary police. Right. Um, there was no statewide database at right. the time. Oh, None of the stuff was being connected. Nothing right. was being connected. Um, and so this was an unknown male. They they had the DNA. They knew it was a man, but they didn't know anything else about it. Oh, no. They didn't come, like, there was no DNA on file for him. And so this case went unsolved. Wow. So they now, don't even know they got a Searle killer. No, they don't. So January of 2002... This lady's name is Gerilyn or Gerilyn. Okay. I like Gerilyn. I think that sounds better. So, R.I.P. Gerilyn. I hope this is her name. Her last name is DeSoto. She's discovered by her husband, Darren, when he got home from work. This is in Addis, Louisiana, which is kind of on the outskirts, again, of Baton Rouge. So, it's on, it's across the Mississippi River from Baton Rouge. Okay. But it's still in Louisiana. I hear you. Okay. She had been stabbed so many times that she had almost been beheaded. Oh, no. It was a gruesome, gruesome Holy cow. And again, no forced entry. So for a long time, her husband was the prime suspect because he found her. Right. Um, Until they they were able to retrieve the DNA, and then the DNA sample showed that it was an unknown male, not him. (sighs) So an unknown male had been present at the scene. I so, think I know who did it. <laughs> Just kidding. Go it's ahead. It's the machetta. The machetta keeps doing it. <laughs> it's a traveling machetta. <laughs> so the cops noted that at the scene, at the scene that Garland's portable telephone had been taken from the scene. Oh. Yeah. So it was the like a portable phone that you walked around the house with. Right, right. I understand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, those are a thing of the past, but that was missing from the scene. She was a 21-year-old graduate student from um, at LSU, and she had been raped and stabbed to death and very gruesome. Although the DNA evidence came back to a male, it was not her husband. They could not find a match for the DNA. It was inconclusive. Oh, they eventually they were able to get a good sample from under her fingernail scrapings. All right. Yeah, so they did get a really good sample, and they had it on file. So then in late May, May of 2002... So this was January 2002. Right. May of 2002. Charlotte Murray Pace, her friends called her Murray, um, in Baton Rouge. They called her Murray? They called her Murray. That was her middle name. Not Mary. Her middle name was Murray. M-U-R-R-A-Y. Oh, okay. Would you like for me to say Murray? No, I really thought that you said Mary first. Mm -hmm. No, it's Murray. 
Which I, I was confused because Charlotte Murray Pace. Okay. Murray. Right, right. Okay. It's like if they, if we called you by your middle name. Right, right. Okay. So she's in Baton Rouge. Her roommate walks in to discover a horrific, bloody scene. Charlotte has been stabbed more than 83 times with a flathead screwdriver. Oh, my gosh. 83? 83. She had put up a huge fight against her attacker, and she had also been raped. Oh, my God. She also was a recent graduate of LSU. Oh, no. She was actually the youngest person to ever receive an MBA at LSU. Oh, God. She's a very smart girl. So the DNA, DNA was collected at the scene, but there was no match in the system in Baton Rouge. Mm. Okay, because we're not connected still. God, when, when are we getting connected? Well, our keys were reported missing from the scene. Well, of course. Yes. So they were able so to... So wait, the one They were able her, to link the DNA from that scene to the DNA at Gina's scene. And Gina, they, they took the Rouge. portable phone, right? Yes. But did they take her keys? Maybe she didn't have any. Uh, they didn't say anything about taking the keys. Right, just the, the portable phone. phone. Okay. Yeah. So... But they were able to see that that DNA from that scene matched to Gina's. So now they at least have two crime scenes that are connected. Right. Two. So in July of 2002, Diane Alexander is at home alone and gets a knock at the door. There's a young man who says he was lost and asked to use her phone. No. He then pushes his way in and attempts to rape her <gasps> and began beating her violently. Oh, my god! And tried to choke her with the phone cord. Oh, dear. Yep. But as that was happening, a car pulled up into her driveway, oh, and the attacker god. ran away. It was her son coming home. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So Diane survives the attack, but it takes her a while to recover. Right. But once she recovers from her injuries, she helps police develop a composite sketch of her attacker. Oh, right. So now we've got a picture. Yay. Okay. So police start to develop a little bit of a profile. So um, they, they note that the killer is working in a particular area. There's like a, that it, they can see that just the, the, two, the two girls that they connected and this one they can see are in a very close area. Yeah, I would imagine they've got like the big map and they've got the, yeah, the pins, thumbtacks the and pins. the string going to I where everything so goes and pictures. Yes, and, and they know that he is taking trophies. Keys or phones right now are the main things that he's taking. Right. Okay. So again, in July of 2002, Pamela Kinnamore disappears from her home in Baton Rouge. Four days later, her body is found under floating under the Whiskey Bay Bridge. Oh, Lord. That sounds like a cool place, though. Sounds Whiskey like a delight, delightful place. She has been raped, beaten, and strangled, and her throat was slit to the point that she was almost beheaded. Oh, my God. She was 44 years old. She was a local shop owner. So, now the police, <clears throat> now the police, because she was a shop owner in Baton Rouge, so now the Baton Rouge people know of four murders that they are right. saying we can connect these four murders. My gosh. So they start reaching out around the state. They just keep, they start calling police precincts right. across the state to say, do you have any similar yeah, murders? Because, right. So they're really doing the telephone. They're doing telephone. They're, they're not doing a computer database. Yet. Right. It's just reaching out to people through mob. Good old fashioned due diligence. That's right. So they find connections to at least four other murders. Oh my god, so now we've got eight connections. Yes. 
because of the keys. Right. Because of the keys and the and the really, really bloody crime scenes. Right. The crime scenes are so violent and bloody and there's clumps of hair and it's just awful. Yeah. So um the Baton Rouge police actually reach out to the FBI and ask them to develop an official profile. Good. Well, this is a profile. So now the mind nightmare. hunters are going. Exactly. We've got the <laughs> mind hunters on. So this is a profiler's nightmare. Yeah. Because a, a, a killer that takes trophies, it's a trait of being very organized and metho me methodical. Methodical. Thank you. You're welcome. Methodical. Hmm. But the, his crime scenes show a, a lack of control, that he loses control and he yeah. has rage, which does not, that's my computer telling me I have updates that it cannot install, which it never can. Right, right. So. How rude of the computer to want to install updates during our podcast. During a very important murder scene. I mean, we're like in the mind hunter set right exactly. now figuring this, this stuff out. distracting me. Oh my gosh. Fired. <sighs> no, we have to have this laptop. Great. <laughs> So anyway, um, the crime scene shows that he's got rage, he loses control, and he's and he it's overkill on his victims. Right. So that is un, an unorganized trait. Right. So he doesn't fit into any particular category for them to actually get a clear profile of this. How about schizophrenic? Well, that could be it. <laughs> they can't really they can't pin pin down a profile right. to say this is the person this is the kind of person you're looking for. So, um, at this point, the people of Baton Rouge are terrified. Oh, my God. The women especially. Yes. They're panicked. Guns and ammo start flying off the shelves. Yeah. And at one point, all of the ammo in the local area was sold out. Oh, Lord. Neighborhoods started patrolling. Neighbors started patrolling their own neighborhoods. The neighborhoods did not patrol the neighbors because that's weird. That would be weird. So, the neighbors started patrolling the neighborhoods and... Um, People everywhere were trying to develop their own victim profile. Trying own, to figure out who did it. Yes, their own killer profile. Right. So because the police don't have a killer profile, they try to start going to a victim profile. Because now we're going to try to figure out what do these victims all have in common so that we can figure out who's he going after. So That makes sense. To this point, all of the women were white women with dark brown or reddish hair, mm. known for a big, friendly smile and prominent cheekbones. Oh. I've never been so happy in all my life right. to have horrible cheekbones. <laughs> right. Like, I'm just so happy I have a smush face and not a cheekbone. So, um, most of the women were young. Most of them were in their 20s, except for this 44-year-old woman. Right. So, it's hard to really get this victim profile nailed down now. So, um, the DNA that was, co that was connected to Pamela's body matched the DNA from the other four connected victims. So, now we've got five connected victims, except Pam's keys are found in her door lock of her door. Oh. So, they think that um, he couldn't... He, he couldn't get him out. He couldn't get him out, or he missed them because they were in the door. So, but... Her husband, when he describes to them what she was wearing because she was missing mm -hmm. and then she was found, he, they, he described her jewelry, and one of the pieces of jewelry is a toe ring. And when they discovered her body, toe ring was gone. Oh. So now he has started collecting jewelry. Oh. So now he's really got us all over the place. Like, he's got some mind hunters questioning their profession. Right, right now. yeah. So... Police 
always felt like... Though a toe ring could double as a key ring. Just saying. Because they have a really huge toe. I'm just saying. Okay. All right, so the profilers talk about why he's keeping these trophies. Right. And trophies are a way to control the victim. It's like ownership of the victim, even after the victim is dead. Right. Plus, a lot of them get gratification from, oh, oh my God, oh my. we have a killer dog on the loose. It, he is. Is, it please. must be a squirrel. Please uh, hold. Yes, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. Trout, come on. Come on, Bubba. They're having a conversation, but... Oh, yeah, and Trout won. The timing is not good. Trout won. Good job, buddy. <laughs> All right, so now the people of Baton Rouge are just out there trying to find this killer on their own. Right. They thought they had developed a theory in the public that it was a white man driving a white truck. Okay. So police start to stop every white man in a white truck. Wow. And they do DNA swabs of every single man, hundreds of them, just on the side of the road. They stop you, they swap you. You got a white truck, we're stopping you. You're a white you. man and a white truck, we're stopping your ass. Right. So they swap hundreds of people, and there are no, my <laughs> gosh, what is happening? <laughs> well, I went outside, and there was pollen. There's pollen. And now I sneezed. I'm so, so sorry. I tried to hold it in, but it did not work. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Let's find the this killer in the very white truck. right now. Very, I told you in the beginning it was long, so get your focus pants I know. On. I'm sorry. <laughs> Things are falling apart. Pull your po focus pants I on. got it. I got it. Okay. So, no matches from all these white men swabs. Right. So, in November of 2002, about an hour west of Baton Rouge, hunters find the body of another female. Oh, man. She's raped and beaten to death. Her name is Trenisha Cologne. Oh. And again, witnesses said that they saw a white truck parked next to the victim's car. Okay. At some point. Right. There is DNA connect, collect, not connected, collected from Trenisha, and it matches the other five victims. Now we're up to six victims in the Baton Rouge oh area my God. that we connected through DNA. Somebody get him. I'm telling you, this is, this is just terrifying. And... Trenisha has dark brown hair and prominent cheekbones, but she's a light-skinned black woman. I was going to say the other women have been white women. They've all been white, and this so one now is a light-skinned black, so now he's crossing over. My God. So it feels like the more panicked the town is in, the more panicked this killer is in. Right. Because now he's just trying to find opportunity. Right, right. She had actually gone out to the graveside of her mother. Her <gasps> mother had died six months ago. Oh, she wasn't God. even from this town. She had come back to go and visit her mom's grave because she was really having to oh, get over now. her mom. And they, now and I'm she mad at literally this. disappeared from the grave. Even for heaven's sake. Exactly. And she was found in the woods near where the grave site was. Ugh. So, I mean, that's just awful. So, um, she, when her family described her, what she was wearing and everything, there was a particular ring on her finger. Oh. A it was a, not a monogram ring, but like it was a, a signet. It, it was stamped with the word love. Okay. Okay. And it was missing. So now he's gone for a finger ring. Wow. Like he's just grabbing whatever. Whatever. He can. 
So police send that DNA. I just want you to know that the theory that I had of it being the local auto mechanic has now <laughs> gone to hell. Yeah, it's not him. Oh, because he was looking for the keys. For all the keys. And then I thought, well, maybe the car salesman that sold them the cars, maybe it's him. But now, no, no I don't know. I'm, I got to go back to the drawing you board. You got to go ask them at Mindhunters. <laughs> so the DNA evidence from all six victims gets sent off again for more extensive tests because now... We're in 2002, and we're developing DNA right, yeah, the, a little bit better. Right. The further along we yes. get, the more technology we have. Absolutely. But still, oh my gosh, all so these poor women. I know, and the town is just panicked. They're, I mean, I would be terrified to go to the grocery I store. Wouldn't I wouldn't I mean, be people terrified are, to stay at home. I wouldn't want to be at home, and I wouldn't want to go see a grave, and I wouldn't want to go walk on the street or be at my shop. I mean... It's everywhere, yeah. and it's really frightening. And these people really only know about the Baton Rouge murders. Right. They don't know about the ones outside of Baton oh Rouge. So it's really, I mean, this guy is really, he's hes really piling up the murders. Yeah. So they get a profile back on the DNA, finally, that tells them a little bit more about this killer. Okay. He's a black male. Oh, oh. We were looking, looking for, for the wrong guy on the wrong No. People were just startled by this information because they knew. And something else that the profiler said is in profiling, or in profiling, they find that a serial killer does not cross racial lines. Really? A, if you have a lot of white victims, then it's a white man. Right. If you have a lot of black victims, it's a black man. Really? Yes. And so this guy is... He's all over the place. Because right. he's a black man concentrating on white women, and then he's now he's gone towards the black woman. Right. It's like they're like, how are we ever going to catch yes. this guy? We can't get, we can't nail down who he really is and who he's looking for. Right. So, the police start looking at crimes in the area of different, either. Different crimes in the area that they might be able to link up with that are unsolved, or maybe there's some solved crimes where somebody went to jail in the area and, may, and they're looking at black men just trying to go through their database. Right. Just, I mean, randomly, literally, needle in a haystack. And this they, might even be before the times when all the prisoners had to do to give DNA when they go into prison. So uh, now yeah, this is before that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is not easy. No, my gosh. Yeah. So they're looking for anything that has been perpetrated by black males. And wow. that's a needle in a haystack. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. So in March of 2003, the body of another young female is found under the Whiskey Bay Bridge. <sighs> she was 26 years old. She has been raped, beaten, and strangled. She has long, curly brown hair, prominent cheekbones. Right. What the hell is it with these cheekbones? It has to be, a, if it's a male, I'm just saying, I really, it has to be a connection back to maybe his mother or somebody. It has to be. I don't know. This young lady's name is Carrie Lynn Yoder. So, police are still coming through old case files, maybe of... Uh, Violent crimes, even if maybe there was a killer that was in jail for a little bit, then got out of jail, or they're just trying to figure out anything. And as they're doing that, they come across this mur this case of the cemetery machete. Oh, attack right, the machete, the machete back in '93. Right. 
So they contact Michelle Chapman, who was the girl that was, survived. That survived, and um, they also go through the notes from the Zachary Police Department. And there were a couple people who had given up a name to say, "Go and look at this person. This right. might be this person." And, and it looks like they didn't follow up on that. Oh, for heaven's sake! Yes, you have got to be I kidding think. me. No. You have to be. I'm not. Stop it. I'm not. You're making up stories I'm now. Not. I'm not. Oh my gosh. So this name that comes up is Derek Todd Lee. So and so then they start looking through, does he have a criminal history? Well, it turns out he does. Of course he does. So in nineteen ninety seven he had been arrested for um, being a peeping tom. And and so then they start going, okay, ninety seven is a starting point. Did he do anything before then? Well, yes. In 92, he was arrested for illegal entry into a, a person's home, which is... Yeah, breaking and entering. Yeah. Right, right. 93, arrested when he and an accomplice broke into a 73-year-old man's house and beat him with a stick and robbed him. Oh, my gosh. 93, he went to jail for a year for burglary. Got out. 95, arrested for peeping Tom again and for resisting arrest. 97, I already said, we arrested him for being a peepee tom. All in the same tom. area? A peepee tom. A peepee tom. <laughs> tom. A peepee tom. Is yes. all in the same area? Yes. Uh, so we don't have the three strikes in your out no, rule now either. Oh my gosh. In 99, he was arrested for being caught inside a woman's home uninvited. <laughs> yeah. He was also arrested for stalking another woman. So, and in 99, um, he was given a suspended sentence what? on another peeping Tom incident. Like, how many times is this guy going to get arrested right. for Right. And why don't we understand that a peeping Tom, that is, we're just starting. We're, that is a that's serial like, killer or right. a serial rapist just Ground level out. rapist yeah, right that's there, peeping Tom. That's, and we're going to yes. start building up from yeah. this behavior. So, in t January of 2000, he was accused of attempted first-degree murder. He got into an argument with his girlfriend or mistress at a bar, and he kicked her, beat her, and stomped her oh at the bar. Gosh. And then he tried to run over the police in the car he was fleeing in. So, he was accused of that. Right. Which is very similar to some of the crimes that we are looking at. He didn't go to jail for it. Oh my gosh. In September of 2001, he is arrested for domestic battery against his wife. Like, does he know the chief of police? Is it his dad or his uncle? Or how is he getting off? It's horrible. So, <sighs> when he gets arrested, um, actually, so they bring him in. They decide to have Michelle Chapman come in to see if she can identify Lee as, a, as the as person a, that attacked her in 1993. Right. So, um, they bring him in for a lineup. And she is 100% positive it was him. Really? 100%. But because of the statute of limitations <gasps> having run out on her case, oh my God. they could not keep him or arrest him for that. Wow. But they did give them probable cause to go and search his house where they find nothing. They find nothing. Wow. So there's an attorney general. The, or the Attorney General's Office of Louisiana gets involved in this. Okay? Well, it's about time. Yeah. And they have some analysts, which those people run the world, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Analysts 
rum world. <laughs> so they put together a timeline of Derek Todley's jail times, and then they lay the times of the murders against it. Right. And they can find, they can see the connection of him going to jail. There's no murder. He gets out of jail within a certain period of time. There's a murder. Wow. And he murders and he murders and he murders and then he goes to jail. And then no murder. And then he comes back and he murders. Like that's what. This, so they're able to actually lay it out and map it out. So at what point are they going to get this guy's DNA? Well, that gives them probable cause to go convince a judge to issue a warrant for Lee's DNA. Thank the so Lord. So they finally go to the house. Lee is there. And he gives his DNA because right. he has to, and the DNA checks the checks out against all the Baton Rouge cases. So now they know Derek T. Lot T. Derek <laughs> Todd Lee. What? I need a drink. <laughs> is their guy? Wow. Oh look, our beeper went off. Oh, look at our beeper been our timer. I'll get it. You keep telling your story. Okay, thank you. So they start doing some research on Derek Todd Lee. He grew up with a 17-year-old mom. She oh. was 17 when she had him. Bless her heart. And his father was severely mentally ill and quite violent. Oh, no. His father ends up going to prison for attempted murder, and the mom remarries. The stepfather is very heavy-handed at discipline. Oh, no. Yep. So Derek Todd Lee was a slow learner. Oh, no. And he was in special ed classes at school and was teased incessantly by schoolmates. Oh my gosh, he was so, bullied. He was bullied. Darn it. I mean, ugh. Okay, I mean, so I don't, I'm very I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to feel right now. I'm sorry as a child that he went through that. But I'm, I'm sorry, sorry for the child. I'm very sorry yes. for the child, but yes. I have a hard time being sorry for the adult. Right. So, um, Derek Todd Lee started acting out at an early age and even the police officers know him because of his acting out and the things he gets caught doing, including torturing animals. Gosh, sorry. Are you sorry, okay? Sorry. Yeah, I'm okay. Okay. So anyway, he's, he starts out by torturing animals. Oh, no. And then yeah, progresses. Yes. And it, per, it, per, it perpetuates into peeping Tom, stalking, right. Right. breaking and entering. Sure. But they never connected this guy. So the crime lab is able to con to connect the Derek Todd Lee DNA to all of the Baton Rouge murders and eventually the other ones from the surrounding area. Wow. So they want, they go to get Lee at his home. The stepfather says he's he's been gone for about two or three weeks. He left the same day that you came and took his DNA. Uh, oh, of course he did. So now the race is on. Where is he? And can we get him so off the streets before not he Not that slow of a learner. No. <laughs> well, he's a fast mover, slow learner. Big difference. So now they're trying to get him off the street before he strikes again. And right. they don't know where he is. No. So they finally find him outside of a tire store in Atlanta. Oh, what's he doing at a tire store? I guess serial killers need tires too, I girl. guess so. And maybe he was trying to steal a key. Uh, maybe. So, and they find his wife and children hiding out in Chicago. Oh, were they scared of him? Yes. Police, they wanted to talk to his wife about his behaviors because she had been married to him for a long time. Yeah. But when she talked to them, she was in complete denial of what he had been doing and was terrified of him. Oh, my gosh. Yes. 
So at one point in their marriage, she was so afraid of him, he moved a mistress in with them into the home with their children and her. And she was so scared. She didn't, she was too scared to leave. Oh she was my too scared gosh. To tell him he couldn't do it. So, like, these people have been living under his reign wow. for all of these years and probably suspected a lot of things that were going on. But, but couldn't do anything, know. right? And they didn't want to know. No. So, in oh August of 2004, Mr. Derek Todd Lee goes on trial for the murder of um, Garolyn DeSoto. And, but the DA decides to only charge him for second degree murder because DeSoto had not been raped. So he felt like he would be, it would be easier for him to get a, a jury to return second degree. Really? I know. So I think there's a plan. So anyway, he's There been, damn better be a plan because that just irritates it me. It irritates me too. Yes, because that woman was, she was brutalized. I don't care if she was raped or not. She was brutalized. Right. So he is found guilty and given life with no parole. Good. Okay. So at the trial, DeSoto's husband describes the crime scene that he walked in on when he found her. And it took the jury less than two hours to convict him. Good. So he gets life with no parole. And that is in August of 2004. They turn around the next month, September 2004, and put him on trial again. This time it's for the rape and murder of Charlotte Murray Pace. They called her Murray, right? Not Mary. And no, I knew they called her Murray. I thought you said Mary, and then you said they called her Murray. But we got it straightened out, so let it go. Okay. So Pace's roommate testified at that um, trial about the horrific scene that she walked into the day that that she. Again, life changed forever. She will oh, never be the same. No, and a crime analyst told jurors that um, the chances of anybody but Todd Lee, Derek Todd Lee, did it were 1 and 3.6 quadrillion. Wow. So it was him. It was him. him. Yeah. She also testified that... And to she, me, that says beyond the shadow of a doubt right there, right? Yes. So she also testified that when she did his DNA um, for this case, she said it was very... It, his. He has very unique DNA. Oh. She didn't say what the uniqueness was, huh. but she said it was unique enough that she had recognized it and had seen it in five other cases that she had tested evidence Interesting. For. Yes. So, um, also, remember Diane Alexander who survived? Yes. Because her son came home? Yes. She came and she also testified and pointed out in the courtroom that that, that she identified all over there right. is the guy that did it. Oh my, that was very brave. Yeah, very brave. That takes a lot of kahunas. I, I don't know. That's a really brave one. I'd be under the bench saying, it's that guy over there. I know. Look <laughs> over there. Yeah, over there. So it took the jury less than 80 minutes to return a guilty verdict on this asshole. The defense rested without ever calling one witness. Oh. <laughs> We're good. Yes. We're good. Yes. As a matter of fact, <laughs> Lee's son testified for the prosecution in that trial. Good. Yes. He testified good. because there was a um, there was a there was a pair of bloody boots that he found in their home and knew that something, something had happened and it was right around the time of the DeSoto um, disappearance. Oh, okay. So he thought in his mind his dad had something to do with that. Oh, my God. And he got up and testified against his dad. 
Wow. Yeah, now that's a brave kid. Look at that. Two stories with kids testifying against their parents that's that right. were guilty. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Again, we connect. Oh, my gosh. You're so great. Look at us go. That's just great, Craig. So, anyway, as I said, the duress, the duress, the defense rested without calling any witnesses. Oh, my gosh. It's funny. Yeah. So, it took 93 minutes to sentence Lee to death by lethal injection. Yay! Yes, finally. Investigators actually believe he is tied to at least 17 murders of 17? women in the Baton Rouge oh area over a 19-year span that started around 1984. Whoa! Isn't that crazy? That's insane! And even though they didn't have DNA evidence at, for Connie Wagner in 1992, she was the first woman that I talked about, right. they believe because of the, the MO of the crime scene and the keys going and all that stuff, that it was that she, they said he definitely killed her. Right. There's no question. Wow. But he probably killed people before her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. crazy. So he was um, housed at the at Angola in Louisiana, mm -hmm. the Louisiana State Pen <clears throat> on death row. But in 2016, the devil came and took him. Yay! And he died from natural causes. Good. He, I, I wrote down here, he probably rotted from the inside out. I would think. Yes. <laughs> so, I would yeah. think. Oh, so, my gosh. What a crazy, what a crazy what a bad and man. Key killer. They did? They really I did. I love it. Yeah. No, I don't love the murders, but I love that I actually got that. Yeah, I don't I, get a lot I'm of things so right. I'm so happy that you spoiled that. I got that right. Because that was going to be the last thing that I said. Stop it. I mean, anybody can figure that out. Come so, on. Um, what's happening over there? So, I Did took it out of the pretty? oven. It looks, it actually is gorgeous. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. All right, so but I wasn't just, sure, you know, how it needed to set up or whatever. So I just I'm gonna put it on pause and then we'll come back and cut it. All right, please hold. Please hold for just a quick second. We're back. We are back. Yes, I have been able to shovel out some of this because it needs to chill, so it's still. Kind oh my of gosh, soft. it smells it's, so good. It's very um, kind of cheesecakey almost. Mm -hmm. So, a mm. hot though. Mm -hmm. Well, very hot. Mm -hmm. Well. Delicious. This is a hit. I hope you all will get the recipe from me because it's a great summertime little treat. Mm -hmm. um, I will probably serve this with a dollop of some cool whip or a little bit of whipped cream. On oh, it. yeah, and I've got that. Or ice cream. Yeah. So fantastic. These are delicious, sugar. Good job. Thank you so much. Well this done. It's been a fun day recording. We hope everybody out there is well and safe. Yes. And that you all stay well and safe. Yes. And that you continue to listen. And let me just say something real quick. If anybody has a relative or a really good friend in Vermont or Arkansas, could you please have them listen to us? Those are the only two states in this country that we don't have listeners, and it's really, really sticking in my craw. Yeah, that's not nice. It's not nice. I feel like they're dissing us for some reason. And right. I don't know what I ever did to What them. did we ever do to you, Vermont? Or Arkansas. Right. We've even done murders from Arkansas. And I love Vermont maple candy. And I we've been to Vermont. We've we have been. in Vermont. We've got pictures. I think I had my first kiss in Vermont. You did. Your hair was like Fair <laughs> Fawcett. <laughs> And I will tell you that the guy's name was Robbie Gorton. And your I whole entire family waited for you to yes, get his first freaking kiss. This was like a whole thing. We couldn't even leave the campground no. to go on our travels no. until I got my first kiss. And it was raining and it was very romantic. Oh my God. Police. And I looked like Farrah Fawcett and I had cut off jean shorts. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure a halter top. Oh my God. So anyway, 
Um, everybody out there stay safe and yes, stay well. And, and wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wear a face mask if that's what you're being asked to do. Just just don't think of it as losing your freedom. Think of it as just a really good common courtesy. Yeah. That's all. And we don't shake hands anymore. So your common courtesy is to wear a damn mask. Right. It's a good thing to it's do. It's not that hard. It's really not. It doesn't. And actually for women, it's awesome because you don't have to put makeup on except for your eyes. Yeah, no. You, Saves I mean, you a know, lot of time. Yeah, time and, and, I mean, lipstick can be very expensive. It can be. And now there's no need for it. No, so no. I really think that you should just wear a mask. But we love all y'all. Thank you so much we for do. listening. We do. Thank you. Please email us at murder.sugarcoated. At gmail.com. And find us on the Instagram because I'm still trying to grow that presence. And so just show us a little bit of love on the Insta. And if you're not on the Insta, this is a good reason to get on the Insta. Yeah. And also, we've got our Facebook page, yes. and our Facebook fan page. So there is no excuse to not be able to find us. We're yes. on every listening platform out there that you can be on. And we hope that you uh, grab a friend and have a listening party. Yes. So. A friend, a drink, a party, a listen. Yes. And email us. Let us know how you're doing or chat chat us up in the on one of our Facebook pages. Yeah, we'll love talk to, hear to you. all and See what you're thinking. Send us murders. Let us know if you want a recipe. Send us pictures or send us a recipe to try. There you go. So anyway, we love you. We too. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.